What a Valentine's Day treat the Phoenix Suns gave to us this evening as they defeat the Orlando Magic, a hobbled team on the last game of a four-game Western road trip. Uh, Defeat them pretty handily, although the starters did have to stay in kind of till the end just to make sure that that last nail went in the coffin. Matthew, the Phoenix Suns easily handle the Magic as well they should, and it was nice to see them play that way, and it's nice to come on a podcast and not have to say, well, the Suns played to the level of the competition tonight. Yeah, I think that phase is maybe finally over, but what a sensual win for the Phoenix Suns today. I mean, they handled business, keeping the streak alive. I don't... You know, it's like we don't have to worry too much anymore with the letdown. I don't know what was happening at the beginning of the season, but it seems like it's kind of over, even though the Orlando Magic were shorthanded. But still, it can get away from the Suns if they would have let it, but they didn't. So they did everything they had to do to win this game. Yeah, I mean, it's it, so many different facets, so many different ways that the Suns came out and and just you know, put the pedal to the metal and didn't allow yeah. this team to get back. You know, there, there were little stretches. They had the Dwayne Bacon stretch in the fourth quarter. There was a little stretch in the second quarter where uh, Terrence Ross was putting up some points. But for the most part, this team, TCOB, they took care of the business the way that they should, the way that a playoff-bound team should, the way that a team that has gelled should. And it was pleasant to see on this beautiful Valentine's Day evening. Yeah, very beautiful, dude. And uh, I was going to ask you. Um, oh, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> I'll spoil the surprise. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, welcome everybody to the Suns Jam Session podcast. He's Matthew. I'm John. Thank you for joining us as per usual on this episode. If you're watching, remember to hit to subscribe and hit the thumbs up button. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, go ahead and subscribe, rate and review there as well. You can follow the show at Suns Jam on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. Uh, Matthew, let's see. We got a fun show lined up today. Obviously, we're going to talk about the Suns uh, defeating the Orlando Magic. And then we will also, uh, you know, we used to have that Jam Session Predicts uh, segment. I changed it up a little bit, Matthew. So Did you? I'm I excited it up. for surprises. Yes, I dude, always change things on you. That's why our relationship lasts so long. You just keep me guessing, dude. Like, you never know. Time, it's a surprise in the podcast before it was flowers at the door. I just, I can never keep up with you, John. Well, I, I don't blame you. I'm, I'm pretty fast. I move quick and I'm creative. So I, I, I creatively keep you engaged. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some possible trade. Uh, I, I know that there's, you know, the name John Collins has been thrown a lot around yep. a lot lately. So I want to talk about that a little bit. If you're watching the show and you want to be on the show, you know, we have our Jamsters React segment. So if you're interested and you want to give us your reaction to the game and or just ask us a question, go ahead and simply DM us on Twitter at Suns Jam, and we'll send you a link to join. You'll be backstage. We'll bring you on for a couple minutes. You can ask away, and we'll go from there. So looking forward to that. Uh, outside of that, again, thank you to all the Jamsters faithful who have joined us in the chat live. Uh, let's pop them open if you got them. I am drinking something I'm not too proud of, but it's all I got. Oh, man, what, a, what a shame. Yeah, truly black smart water. Smart okay. water, Sunday well, night. Mine tastes like water, uh, but it, it it gets you a little buzz. So I'll live All with right, it. Enjoy. Don't judge me. Happy Valentine's Day. Pop them if you got them, Suns fans. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about this dub. Game six of a seven-game homestand for the Phoenix Suns. Game six in a row that they've won. They've now won nine out of their last ten games. The team is hot right now. They're gelling. They're playing the way that we all expected them to. Hell, they're probably exceeding a few of those expectations as well. So, Matthew, I got to know, is this Suns team better than the bubble Suns? Oh, for sure. Is that even a real question? I mean, they have to be, right? Ooh, what's in the back of you? Little puppy dog. Hi, Brooklyn. Welcome to the podcast. There's Brooklyn, my German shepherd, ladies and gentlemen. She starts attacking you. (laughs) She saw me open up one of those trulies, and it it broke her heart, so she came over here to bite me in the gullet. 
Oh, what a cute dog you got. Um, but yeah, they are. And it almost makes a case where the Suns are 8-0. But you know a lot of people kind of thought, even from media's standpoint, that the Suns, they kind of got away with a few wins there with player, with teams actually benching their units at the end of the games um, just to give the Suns, not, not to give the Suns a win, but just to get the rest. But then you bring in Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, it almost kind of helps, I feel like, Chris Paul in like an MVP case to where I feel like this team, of course, is better than last year arguing with the bubble. But I think just the way they have him playing in the six-game win streak, it's 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 almost to the point where I don't know when it's going to end. And I think it's up to Chris Paul, really, to when this game, this win streak is going to end. So, I mean, I don't want to throw the MP, MP3. Oh, my God. MP3? Start the MVP conversation for, out for there. MP3. Yeah, but too soon. But I mean, he has to get a little bit of a nod just because this team is on the next level. I know we just played the Magic, but we're playing every team that is on the schedule at a high level right now, no matter how the record looks. Yeah, I was thinking about it as this win streak has progressed. Bad, and no, you're fine. As <laughs> It's only bad if you it say was, it's bad. So it was, now it's it officially was Brooklyn. bad. Brooklyn, you know. Brooklyn, Brooklyn right. threw you off. Yeah. But as, as this win streak has continued... I started contemplating that tonight. It's like, is this team better than the Bubble Suns? And obviously, the Bubble Suns, 8-0, different kind of uh, uh, format, different uh, environment in which they yeah. they ran these off. You know, obviously, these six in a row have come at home. Uh, but like you said, a lot of the teams that they played while in Orlando were resting players. They were preparing for the playoffs. They were putting players in in sporadic minutes just to try to get their legs under them. So although you can't discredit the 8-0 phoenix suns and what they did in the bubble necessarily you this team wouldn't exist without them i mean to Mm -hmm. see this team come alive in that format it brought cp3 here it brought jay crowder here brought each one more and langston galloway and all these guys who've solidified the back end of the bench i i think it's interesting when you mentioned cp3 is mvp because he's having one of those seasons where it's not going to be a statistically dominant season no it's it's just not. not Uh, But you look at those Steve Nash years, and those weren't statistically dominant seasons. But what he did is he took a team that was a cellar dweller and made them a legitimate contender. Now, granted, the Suns, you know, 17 and nine now in their first 26 games. Uh, It would take probably a run similar to something that Utah is doing to really put him in that stratosphere and, and, you know, take the national narrative and push it towards him in an uh, an MVP conversation. But it's a possibility now. I mean, the fact that the Suns are playing at this level and, and CP3 has been that linchpin uh, coupled with uh, the offensive onslaught that Devin Booker provides, it's not something that's necessarily out of reach. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's one thing that I always thought of with CP3 coming into this season. It's statistics aren't going to be there. But also, there's another thing I thought of. is like if you had if you had um, Ricky Rubio and we still had um, Kelly Oubre back this year, I was just thinking, I'm like, there's no way this team's playing that good. You know what I mean? The bubble was one thing, but the season prior, before the bubble, it was a complete shit show. It really was. I mean, it took <clears throat> it took the Suns to spend a lot of time together in the bubble to get things going. But if it was a, just another season we had Ricky Rubio still and Kelly Oubre, it'd be a different story. I think CP3 needs to be in the talks for MVP. It might be not maybe not top five, maybe not top six, but he's going to be there. And I, I just think that he deserves it. He, he actually deserves a nod. I know Booker's playing crazy, but he's always put up the stats. He's always been our guy here in Phoenix. He just needed that leader, that guy like Chris Paul to come here and help him show him how to win. And that's exactly what he's doing right now. Yeah. And you know, again, this, this team is contending. They're the number four seed currently in the uh in the western conference and literally as we are talking there's oh, another geez. game going on and it's yeah. it's the lakers and the nuggets and I, I obviously i'm not watching that i'm doing this uh but it looks like you know as ryan g says in the chat ad just went down so if you're listening to this podcast tomorrow you probably have a little bit more of an understanding what a, what a, uh, happened uh, he says had a hurt ceilings and he get or he had a sore achilles and i guess he hurt it again uh again okay. obviously we'll see what happens but that's uh Man, Fade goes down. It, it's horrible to hear that, but at the same time, that's good for the Suns. <laughs> it, God, I hate it that. Is. I hate but, that. Dude, that. That guy, I swear, even in the bubble, he was seriously on the ground every game, grabbing at something. So it's only like a matter of time for this guy to actually kind of miss a big chunk of games, right? To an injury. It would have to happen. He hasn't had any rest, really. So I, I think it was just, it, I think it was eventually going to happen. It sucks. 
It does. But yeah, it does help the Suns, but they still got LeBron, but they needed Anthony Davis too. Cause he was like, we were just talking about the MVP competition. Like he was one of the top three or top four guys going into the season that might win it. So now that he's out, that's huge for the NBA. Yeah, we'll see as in a bad you know, way. In, in the next couple of days, we'll probably have more guidance because the same thing did happen to him. I, yeah. I think it was in the playoffs last year where he went down, he grabbed at his foot, everyone thought Achilles, and he was fine mm-hmm. the next day. So, you know, AD might need some rest. We'll see how that plays out again. Yeah, exactly. You know, live radio. <laughs> this is what happens. <laughs> no, but, good thing but, you called that out. Thank you. But looking at the game, uh, you know, this, these are the games you have to win. You're playing the Orlando Magic. They're down to only eight players tonight, and they're down 14-2 and two after shooting one from 13 to start. That's what you want if you're the Phoenix Suns. You want to have a team that, if, if they're down and they only have eight players, sometimes those teams uh, solidify and they come together, and it's us against the world, and they, they yeah. come out and they start shooting three-pointers and they start hitting them, and before you know it, you don't know what hits you. That's kind of what happened when we played the Wizards earlier this year. They were down a couple players. I think uh, Bradley Beal was in that game. Thomas Bryant had just get, got injured. His ACL, he had just torn his ACL the game before. They were having some COVID issues, and they came out on fire. And the Suns, I mean, I remember the first time out that Monty took, which was probably a little too late. The Suns were down like 16, like it was nothing. In this game, yeah. conversely, they come out. They put the whooping on them. Uh, it was very nice to see that the Suns were up to setting the early tone in this game against the subpar competition, and Primarily, they did it by attacking the paint. Yeah, they did. And that guy was really Booker, too. I mean, eight out of the first 14 points for the Suns before the first time out. Um, it was interesting to watch because you are worried going into these games how the other how the other team is going to respond because they're shorthanded and how they kind of they they have to jump at the opportunity early to really get out to a lead or sustain any kind of ground against the Suns. But it was ultimately just up to the Suns really in this game to keep the defensive hot. And also just, like you said, get to the rim, like play at their strengths, you know, and shooting the three later on the night, really they got hot, but just keeping it in the rim and the two point shots, that's always great to see from the Suns, especially when it might, you can easily get rattled against the Orlando Magic team where I even saw in the comments last podcast where a lot of people were like, it's going to be a tough, tough outing. It, It really is. Even with eight players, we didn't probably know that back then. But you already knew the roster situation. It's just, it's a matter of time for really the the magic to wake up in this game and to maybe you know go out the Suns a few runs here and there. But it never really happened too bad. I mean, it did happen a few times, but it wasn't anything to get nervous about, right? Yeah, the Suns kept him at arm's length away the entire game, and it was because Devin Booker decided I'm going to come out to start this game. And I'm just going to punch them right in the mouth. I'm feeling it after that 36-point performance yesterday against the Philadelphia 76ers. I uh, probably met with up with Kendall. Probably you know had a, a, a afternoon some little afternoon delight, so he was in a good mood. Seven of the Suns' first 23 points came from Devin Booker, and then right yeah. after you know Orlando called the timeout, he came out and the next two plays were assists from Devin Booker. And at the fir- end of the first quarter, Devin Booker had 17 points, and the Orlando Magic had 16. And from there, it was, you know, like we said, they just kind of kept them at arm's length and didn't allow them to get, garner any momentum. Uh, Monty took the appropriate timeouts. He he left the starters in as long as he possibly could. I think he did it until about two minutes left in the game, just in an effort to ensure that there was no final run from Orlando that would jostle the, uh, the concentration of this team going into that next game that they have against the Nets. They didn't need anything to – no negatives from this game was kind of – Monty's strategy and I think that it paid yeah. off in the end no yeah he wanted you can tell he wanted to do that because they were just kind of jacking up threes towards the end you know just acting like it was a blowout but it, anything in the last five minutes could happen in an NBA game no matter if you're up 20 or 25 it, it can be cut short within two minutes then you got three minutes and maybe you're only up by 12 who knows so I mean he put the he put the first unit back in I was kind of questioning it but it makes sense they got to keep the mojo going with this first team offense if there was an injury of course maybe we'd be questioning it but it only makes sense in the way that you got to keep things going with this this offense but what i really liked was just the energy was really up to the whole game you can even see even if it was da if he was like to just like yeah i don't really care i'm not gonna play in the first half maybe you saw that but the energy whatever was said to him and the rest of the team in the second half was let's just continue it 
Like, there's no reason to have a letdown. These minutes are really precious, and especially with the full roster. I mean, Monty has to know exactly who's going to come in and who's going to produce, no matter what the situation is in, in any kind of game. So he needs to see the, them at their best efforts, and I think they just did that throughout the whole game. And I don't think it really came down to ever just like a guy hanging his head and just trying to, you know, it's Valentine's night, even though who knows? I mean, every night for them is Valentine's day, right? These guys, does it even freaking matter if it's Valentine's day or not? No, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. It, it, every, it, it, it really every night doesn't. they're treating themselves, you know? Yeah, exactly. And when we talk about watch 2021, you know, this is kind of one of those tough games to really analyze his performance because Again, it's a depleted team. Uh, he's going against Nikola Vucevic, who didn't necessarily have a great game himself. The guy who scored yeah. 42 points against the Sacramento Kings a couple nights ago ended with 14 on 4 of 14 shooting. Uh, DA, though, you know, 10 and 13, 5 for 7 from mm-hmm. the field, just kind of, you know, as you mentioned, not necessarily going out and being somebody who's super aggressive, but knowing when and where to kind of pick his spots and being somebody who uh, has the ability to rebound the ball and when necessary. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I know that uh, eight and watch on bright side, you have an article coming out that kind of talks a little bit more about his body language. Yep. Uh, your mi- idea. Mr. Body Eight-watch. language guru. What did you see tonight <laughs> from him? Oh, well, I mean, in the first half, it was basically just basic eight and stuff. It was basically like he wasn't really there showing anything off. He wasn't ready to take over. Didn't want the ball. Kind of like what you saw in the Sixers game a lot. Second half, he did have the energy. I felt like he was, able to really kind of push around Vucevic, but a lot of like the fast breaks were happening today for Aiden. Did you notice that? Like a lot of fast yeah. breaks he was running. I think there was two to three, at least two of them where he was running and he was on the outside, not running, really running down the middle like a wing. And he would get the ball the first time he laid it up. But the couple other times there was, of course, when you're playing the magic, there's going to be steals. There's going to be opportunities for fast break, but him running it was something kind of new. So I think that kind of got him going. But in the first half, you can see he didn't really want to run floor one end to the floor to the other that stuff kind of frustrates me because like your teammates are still trying to like they're trying to make plays they're trying to get down the floor i'm not hating on him at all but i'm just saying like i like his energy in the second half because he didn't seem like he cared he seemed like he was there just to try to blow out the magic and just you know do his do his thing against vucevic like you said who didn't really have a good game but i think he just he bodied him up something he didn't do against him beat at all he bodied up vucevic in the second half I like to see that. I mean, he can. I mean, he's maybe he's not as wide as him, but he's a big dude too. So just own your ground, Aiden. And I think he did in the second half. And as Thomas Dennett says in the chat, I'm officially cool with DA being an elite board banger and Booker is the, yes. is the star. And that's what I've kind of been saying mm-hmm. for a while when it comes to DA is we don't need him to be the best option on this team offensively. We need him to be a fantastic compliment. And, you know, he was that. He does that on the boards where – if you see him underneath the basket, you know you can drive to the hoop and put up a shot. And if it's if it misses and, and somebody collapses on you, he can. That's a lot of his his uh, his points are mop up points, and those are highly effective points. And you know, again, in a game that's a blowout like we saw tonight, you don't need him to go out and put up twenty five and ten or twenty five and thirteen. Ten and thirteen is acceptable. It's it's what we want from him. Uh, you know, conversely. Uh, Vucevic didn't have a great game. And like you said, you can credit some of that to DA and his ability to body him up, to make him uncomfortable. Obviously his shots weren't falling from him for him. Uh, Vuce is somebody who likes to shoot the ball from downtown. He was only one for four from deep. Couldn't get in a rhythm tonight. You could just tell that this was a tired magic team. Okay. They're, they're eight, eight deep. They've on game four of a Western conference swing. They would just want to go home. You know, it's just, they're, they're playing a team that they know is the, is clearly a better team. Uh, so they just weren't, they weren't in it. And it, and it was nice mm-hmm. to see that, that the Suns didn't let them get in it. You know, it's like I said, if, if Vucevic comes out and he, he hits, you know, his first three shots, it's, it becomes a different ball game, but Deandre Ayton, uh, played very well as well as he, as he could in 30 minutes. Uh, I, I like the, the four offensive rebounds. I just, I like him doing the, the dirty work down low and that that's his effectiveness. Yeah, and I just think he can do both. I really think he's that type of player. I know he's like kind of the filler player right now to help us win because when he was being when he was a player that I wanted him to be during that four game stretch, the Suns were like one and three. 
and they weren't winning a course, but the whole exactly. offense itself wasn't really finding itself. So maybe this is the thing that I kind of realized is like, maybe he's just, you know, deterring the, the defenders away it's where he just brings them to their side. Cause I always said he's hiding on offense, but maybe he's just like bringing defenders away from like the, the wings, the guards, who, whoever's bringing the ball up to set up the play in a certain way. There's something behind it, but a lot of it too, you still can see Chris Paul yelling at him to come on, get in the game. That just needs to stop. I'm just, I don't know. I just, I'm okay I with it. that. I'm okay with that. It's yeah, like I you know, said, but... it's like you said in the podcast last game, you know, DA at times uh, uh, can remind you of our, you know, seven year old nephew who he'll be shouting in your face and you'd be like, Hey man, stop that. And five minutes later, he's shouting your face again. Cause he just doesn't necessarily have that attention yeah. span. It's the same thing with DA. Like Chris Paul is out there reminding him at all times, like, Hey, keep, keep your head in the game. Hey, cut. Hey, hit the boards. And, you know, DA needs that. The benefit of Chris Paul on DA is something that in two or three years after Chris Paul is no longer on the team, and if DA is still on the team and the Suns, obviously I don't think he'll be worthy of a max contract, but if they can get him on something good for like you know, 14, 15 mil a year, uh, it's, that's where the dividends are going to pay off is when he's probably about 25 years old and all that, you know, every time he's on the court, he'll just like, he'll, you know, you know how people have got like the angel and the devil on their shoulder. You know, for him, it'll just be Chris Paul on both of his shoulders, reminding him <laughs> of shit he needs to do. And that's yeah. what Chris Paul's doing. He's conditioning him to become a solid and consistent player. And that's what Chris Paul's here for every player, especially Booker. It's helped him the most. You know, Booker, an all-star now, becoming a superstar because Chris Paul's showing him how to win. Of course, he's doing that to DeAndre. The only thing I'm just saying is when he gets the ball in the post and it took Joel Embiid to really shoot the ball, we are talking about last podcast, to be like, hey, yeah, shoot the ball, shoot the jump shot. You're good at it. Like, just shoot the freaking ball then, DA. Just do what you think is right in certain situations because otherwise Chris Paul is going to yell at you because you didn't make that decision. They trust you to make the right decision because he he has done that in games where I trusted him the most out of any player on this team, and he just needs to get back to that. I don't care if he, he doesn't put up the stats. I don't care if he goes like 2 for 15 or whatever. As long as he's making the, the right decisions, I just, I just want to see that more from DA. Completely agree. Uh, when you talk about 2018 draft picks, obviously DeAndre Ayton was the number one overall pick. Oh, and yeah. tonight we saw the number six overall pick in Mo Bamba. And mm-hmm. I know that that draft, obviously, uh, I think when history goes back and looks at the 2018 draft, a draft that included Marvin Bagley and Luka Doncic and Trey Young. Who's the fifth pick in that draft? Oh, my gosh. Because that's the one between Mo Bamba and uh, Trey. And it was another oh, this, decent pick. Dude, I don't know. I forget. Hold on. Well, well, I'm sure the Jamsters will let us know. The fifth pick in the 2018 yeah. draft, let us know. Uh, but Mo Bamba was somebody who was highly touted coming into that draft. And what are your thoughts on him now that we are three years oh. removed from that draft? Yeah, this is Jaron Jackson Jr. went number four. Trey that's, was five, but Trey okay, That's and right. That's right. Wendell Triple Carter, J. too. Colin Sexton. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really good draft. Shane Gilders. Yeah. And and, yes, man, what a good draft that was. Yeah, I know. Mikhail Bridges. Yeah. So, so what were your, what are your thoughts? You know, when you see Mo Bamba, he's Mm -hmm. playing off the bench for this team. Obviously, he was drafted to a team that already had some bigs. They had Jonathan Isaac, who they drafted the year before. Vucevic has become an elite, you know, although not necessarily nationally known, uh, but quality center for uh, the Orlando Magic. So he's been playing in a backup role. And he's just nowhere near the player we thought he was coming out of Texas. No, he wasn't. And I remember the interview that we we heard when the before the draft, before the 2018 draft, where he was talking about I should be number one with Suns and with Devin Booker. It was really convincing. I was almost like, yeah, pick this guy. He sounds like he knows what he's gonna do. He's gonna be an all-star. But then that's me and the whole Josh Jackson thing. I just I, I feel bad for the guy. I feel like he still has a lot of time to learn and stuff too for being out. I don't think he's really played even like the full three years he's been in the league. So maybe he needs more time. He's especially if, if Sarge can back him down and not worry about a pump fake and just put it over his head when he wants, or else Bomba not be able to actually block anybody or else put the ball back up without getting blocked by Cam Johnson coming from behind. Those are just big issues yeah. you have when you're a seven foot, whatever big guy. Um, I mean, we, we would have struck out if we would have took Mobamba. Um, but I like this Magic team if they're healthy. And I'm pretty sure he might be a trade piece or something in the future. 
but god bless that guy dude i just i feel bad for him for some reason i don't know why i feel bad for him too and i think it's because i remember that press conference when he was you know saying i should be a member of the phoenix suns and it was convincing and he was one of those people i mean when it, it was a big man draft outside of the playmakers and you had da you had triple j and you had mo bamba and some of the you know the ringer staff and people uh, of of that uh, designation were talking about how he potentially could be the best out of the three. And you know you look at his career; obviously, hasn't turned out the way that he wants. Uh, he's played a total of eleven games this season, at averaging five point two points per game. Last season, he played in sixty two and five point four. You know, and and fourteen minutes a game. You know, he he averages fourteen minutes in his career a game. So. I think with Mo Bamba, and, and again, I'm, I'm bringing this up. You know, he came off the bench. He had 23 points tonight, or I'm sorry, 23 minutes tonight. Uh, one of seven shooting for two points. Did have 11 rebounds. But he's just a guy who just never truly has had the opportunity, I feel, because of that backlog in Orlando. And is somebody who could potentially be a valuable piece, although very underrated piece in a trade, like you mentioned, um, some point in the future. I mean, he's just, yeah. he has talent. Uh, it's more on the defensive end. I never thought he was a great offensive player. He's proving that in his career. I mean, as as a big man, he, you should be killing it. Uh, he only gets, you know, he's shooting 58% from the field this year, uh, but in his career, he's only 47%, almost 48%. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily somebody who is, uh, you know, lighting the world on fire offensively. Defense is where he makes his name. Um, then you look at some other members of this team and, you know, Dwayne Bacon is somebody I've always been really high on. I wrote a piece for Brightside earlier this season on potential targets that the Suns could have. Now, obviously they've come up with a lot better targets than I proposed, uh, but Dwayne Bacon, who was not happy in Charlotte is somebody who I've always kind of enjoyed watching. He's not necessarily somebody who is going to provide a lot of defense for you, but, but he can score the ball. He's, you know, averaging a career mm-hmm. high 10.3, this year, given opportunity, uh, he's a six foot six shooting guard. He's somebody who I thought would be a good backup to Devin Booker. And obviously he had a really good second half in this game. Only had six points in the first quarter or I'm sorry, in the first half, uh, but had 13 in the fourth quarter. And he just he showed that he does have the ability to score the ball. Yeah, John, he's pretty decent. Yes, That's all I have on him. There you go. Dwayne, <laughs> Dwayne you go. Bacon, Suns Jam <laughs> session. Pretty decent. Yeah. So looking at looking at what the rest of the Suns did this game, uh, it was nice to see Mikhail again start to get into a rhythm. Eleven yeah. points in that third quarter, eleven straight points. I'm sorry, uh, had 16 total points in the second half, four for eight shooting, and it's nice. You know, again, we talked about it on the last pod and and previous ones. You know, anything you get from Mikhail offensively is always extra, uh, but when he finds those rhythms, it really makes him a complete player, and he's fun to watch. Yeah, he's an opposite player for me where it comes to he has to start making the three really to do anything else. And honestly, I'll, I'll always say I don't really like his three too much. And that's really weird, of course. He's always going to shoot it. He's always going to make them half the time. But <laughs> but for some reason, I just struggle with it because I know how much more he can do with the ball. But for him, it's basically getting that three going. And then I feel like the rest of his game is going. And him, him and Saric and also campaign – Oh, not campaign, Cameron Johnson. Them cutting today was really nice to watch. Even Crowder out there. Now we just have too many fours right now, right? We just, there's too many of them. And it's great to see. It's okay. Yeah, it's nice. But Bridges himself, if he can just, you know, keep getting the best, it's good. But he he has a sneaky games with those points, right? Like, because you always see him on the other side of the ball or maybe not even notice him because he takes one of the best players out from the other side of the court. And then you just sort of like, oh, he's having a good game on defense, of course. And then here you look at the stats. He's like, oh, he has 15 points or 19 points. It's like, what? Because he hit a couple threes and he gets the rest of his game going. That's what he does. Um, but, I mean, it's it's interesting to me because I don't really like that too much. But he can do whatever the hell he wants, honestly. Who gives a F what I say? <laughs> yeah, again, you know, he's your defensive stopper. And if he continues to do that, uh, I'm satisfied. And like you said, he has yes. a couple of threes. Um, and, you know, and, and Kenneth Payne says it in the chat, you know, we are deep as hell. And that's what that comes down to, you know, Beautiful, right? a, a lot of people are talking in the chat about sticks, not getting any playing time in this one. There's I know an announcement or something. What do you mean? Did you see that? There was a comment. They said that Monty's going to make an announcement about Jalen Smith or something. I don't know what that means. Oh, he probably means he's going to end up in the G League. I mean, <sighs> at this point, well, but that's OK, that's because right, that gives right. him an opportunity to develop. You, you know, yeah. I've said it before on this pod and, and I'll say it again. I, I'm, I'm a big Jalen Smith fan. 
I, I, I want him to play well. I want James Jones to be correct with that pick like he was with Cam Johnson. You know, Cam's still growing, still has a lot of uh, growth to do, but given his affinity for playing both offense and defense, he's allowed that opportunity to do so. Jalen Smith doesn't play any defense. I mean, again, limited time. We haven't seen much from him, but just know that in his limited time playing defense, he hasn't necessarily impressed. Uh, we know that he has an offensive uh, game he kind of bleeds out to that three-point area um, but doesn't yeah. necessarily knock them all down so he needs minutes that's what it comes down to is is he needs minutes you look at his offensive rating this year it's a 94 and his defensive ratings a 113 uh, again limited minutes and eight only eight games played and 50 total minutes played but those aren't numbers that are going to get him into the lineup on a, de- a team that is unbelievably deep and uh is looking to win games and you want to win games. You, mm-hmm. We're out of, we're out of the development stage of guys. We're out of playing two or three. Remember a few years ago when like the Phoenix suns are starting the youngest roster ever. And every guy was like under 19. Like we're just, we're done with those, those days. So, so if, if you know, as, as uh, Terrell Jack says in the chat, you know, the Smith can't get any minutes because we have a good rotation. That's a yeah. good problem to have. So if they do end up sending him to the G League and giving him an opportunity to play and and you can have a coach see him perform and, and try to teach him what how, how to play some more uh, effective defense on the NBA level, that does nothing but benefit the Suns in the long run. I don't need Jalen Smith. Out, you know, again, this game, you're thinking probably with about eight minutes left in the game, you're like, okay, the Suns can probably empty their bench at this point. And then Dwayne Bacon went on his little run where he scored, you know, like nine or ten in a row. And it put them within 16 points, and Monty wasn't comfortable to empty the bench, so we didn't see any sticks minutes. Yeah, and honestly, if sticks wasn't to come in and just kind of not mess everything up, but there is a certain flow right now with the offense, uh, first team and second team, it, it's not too bad to have him go to the G League. Like you said, back in the day when we were like the youngest team, I used to feel so proud of this team. But then it's the NBA because honestly, <laughs> everyone anyone can get traded at any minute, so it didn't really matter how young we were at the time and how we can build off of that because it's not even anything that happens in the NBA anymore, except for the Warriors when they had, of course, what they did, which was just amazing. They're like the only team to actually pull that off i actually think that it's good for sticks to go to the g league if he is going to go uh he does need the minutes to play and just get something going because sitting on the bench not doing anything must frustrate the hell out of him mm-hmm. especially when it's a winning team and then halliburton's playing the way he is he probably he sees that he wants to prove himself to be the right pick so i think for him to actually go if he's going to the g league put in good solid minutes come back because there's always gonna be an injury there's always gonna be COVID. there's always gonna be something he will be back just like each one more this year He'll be back. Yep. He can help this team in the future. So it's nothing to get too worried about, you know. Just enjoy the ride right now, right? No, I completely agree. Uh, you know, enjoy the fact. Don't don't sit and look at the things that we don't have. Be thankful for what we do right now. We're nine out of ten victories. Mm-hmm. We're six in a row. We're fourth team in the West. We're playing at an elite level. And guess what? Jalen Six isn't a part of that right now. It's cool. That means you know he could he, he's going to be somebody's going to pitch in later in this season at some point, like you said, Matthew. So be thankful for what we have. And don't sit there and, and, you know, think the grass is necessarily always greener. Well, if Sticks was getting, you know, 10 minutes a game, you know, like, again, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm out of the development stage of the Suns. Uh, I'm, I'm just over it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, again, the, Sun, the Suns win handily against the Magic by 19 points. Uh, who, Matthew, is your... Jam star of the game. And, of course, if you're watching along live in the chat, let us know who you think the jam star of the game is. And this is also a reminder, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the thumbs up button. Go ahead and subscribe. Hit the bell. Let's you know whenever we go live, which is after every Suns game as well. So, Matthew, your jam star of the game is? Devin Booker, again. Is this like the third game in a row? It has to be three or four games in a row. He is a jam star of the game basically because he came out hot 17 points, of course, in the first quarter. He's going to go cold, but still, I mean, he ended up ending the game for the Suns, giving them a few buckets when they needed just to seal off the win. Um, he did everything right, really, for the Suns. I know he had a couple great assists in the first half. He still keeps finding his teammates, even if he is high. He doesn't have like those before. What is it's like the um, what are those shots after you're on a hot streak and heat then check. you heat check? God, I the one I time you. I forget it. I got the you. Heat, the heat check shot. Usually you see Book put those up, but tonight he didn't really even have to do that. He still continues to try to find his teammates and move the ball around, even if he is hot. And he still gets 17 points in one quarter. I thought maybe he can go for 37 uh, and tie Clay Thompson, who knows, for the for the most in one 
in one quarter, but it didn't have to be that way because this is a different Suns team. But same player, right, John? Oh, yeah. And as Blaze, Blaze Megatron says it perfectly, uh, Big Dick Book, he took it away in six minutes. BDB. And that's exactly correct. He came out and put the put the Orlando Magic on notice right away, said, hey, you aren't going to have one of those games where you're going to find any rhythm. We're going to score. I'm going to score. I'm going to put this game away early. And then from there, uh, you know, the rest of the team can try to find try some offensive sets and try some different things. Monty can even play a little bit with uh, his rotations if he wants to. But we're going to win this game. You know, Devin Booker, 27 points tonight to lead all scores, uh, 10 for 16 from the field. Uh, six from th- uh, six from seven from the free throw line and one for three from downtown. That one again being from the logo. So two games in a row yeah. where you get logo book uh, six assists <laughs> as well. And here's the most important thing: we haven't really talked about this, so maybe we can spend a couple minutes on this. No turnovers for Devin Booker. What plagued the Suns at the beginning of this season? Toynovas. Toynovas from Devin Amani Booker. Okay, he's somebody who. You know, was trying to find his place within this the confines of this offense. He was trying to see if he needs to be the scorer, if he should be the playmaker, if he's the guy who's next to Booker, or I'm sorry, next to CP3, and trying not to uh, trying trying to play make. And we've seen that turnover count go down. Last game against Philly, two. The game before that, Milwaukee, three, four, three, four. So it, it's not the eight, seven eight six that you know the numbers that he was putting up earlier in the season when it comes to turnovers he's becoming comfortable knowing that he is the scoring option he can play make as well again 27 and six that's what he needs to do for this team to be successful that's what we got from Devin Booker tonight yeah it was really just him trying to find his way with Chris Paul and it's kind of weird I don't even know how to explain it but them two on the court together it's like they're playing like a separate game in a way they both take their turns they both have their own offenses in a way I know that's not the thing that's not really what's happening but to me it is to me it's like basically one has the ball you're in good hands the other one has the ball we're in great hands. like that's just the way it is the way these two are playing together which I don't even feel like they're they're on the same team but I just don't feel like they're like playing on the same court. I don't know how to explain it. That's, well, that's, it's, it's, it's kind part of like of the taking way. DMT and trying to explain what the hell you saw <laughs> on your DMT trip, right, Joe Rogan? Oh man, Joe Rogan for the shout out to Joe Rogan. Uh, it's because Monty does a good job, kind of staggering their minutes. They're doing a good job deferring to each other, and it's almost like there's two separate teams and and two quality teams right now with this with the rotation, the way that they're staggering Booker. You know, Booker plays the whole first quarter now. CP3 goes out with about five minutes, and then Booker doesn't come back till about five minutes left in the second quarter. So I mean, the way that he's staggering these rotations is allowing the Suns to be constantly effective and consistent. So uh, it's it's been very uh, pleasing to see them yes. operate in the manner that they have because they keep putting pressure on the opposition. Uh, you know, in the past we had Jamsters predict, or I'm sorry, Jam Session predicts. I've decided to change that uh, uh, segment to our guess what? It's the guess what segment. We're gonna oh, <laughs> we're gonna guess 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 what? Uh, for those of you who know, that is from. I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. Uh, <laughs> the greatest skit ever on Saturday Night Live. Uh, it is. Fe- featuring Christopher Walken. Guess what? So, are those your hands? Whose hands are, not, are those? Those are not my hands. That oh, is okay. that is DJ Ezidic. And uh, so we talked about on the last podcast in predicting <laughs> this. We said who was going to have more, more points, eight Nervusevich. Uh, we both said Vucevic. We were both correct, but it was only by four points, Matthew. Vuce only had 14 and Aiton had 10. Very surprising. I'll always take the other team uh, player over Aiton right now. So just <laughs> yeah. that's that's the winning way right there. <laughs> and then it, you're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, he's like you said, he's not necessarily going to be your, your second or third score some nights. Uh, we said who's going to win, the Suns or the Magic. And who did we say, Matthew? I think we said the Suns. I think we said the Suns. We both said it. And we were both correct. That puts us. Uh, I'm seven and four on the season uh, as we guess what, and you are now eight I'm and eight three. And Trey. Yep. And and up next for the Suns, we have the Nets on Tuesday at eight p.m. on TNT. Now it was announced today that Kevin Durant will be missing the next couple days with a ha- uh, couple That's games. Close. I'm sorry, with a hamstring pull. So obviously that means it's Kyrie Irving. And James Harden versus Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Get up. This is going to be fun. 
No, it's going to be great, dude. Steve Nash returns to Phoenix. He used to be a Phoenician. Now he's not. I don't even know where he's at. I guess he's in Brooklyn. Um, of course I knew that, but he, uh, the only, the only thing that sucks is KD is out. So I wanted to see this team at full play against the Suns. I wanted to see maybe Mikel Bridges plays against Kevin Durant. Who knows? Now I'm thinking who's going to take on as one of the guards. He would probably take, I mean, Kyrie Irving or James Harden, of course. So depending, I don't know who I would like to see maybe on James Harden and then Chris Paul and Kyrie Irving. I don't know. They'll figure that out. But I wanted to see Mikael Bridges against KD. It's not going to happen. So, I mean, it's kind of nice, kind of like Anthony Davis, you know, getting hurt and he's going to maybe miss some time if that's what's going on right now. Um, but KD not playing, dude. I, I'm still pumped up. I mean, we got Steve Nash coming back, dude. That yeah. place is going to be crazy. Is it going to be 3,000 fans for that game? Yeah, I think that's the game where they go back to 3,000 fans. Okay. Uh, Steve Nash jokingly said that Robert Sarver will do anything to monetize the Suns, and knowing that the old Suns and Mike D'Antoni and Amari Stoudemire and Nash are coming back, it's a perfect opportunity for him to do so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it'll be really interesting seeing them play against this team. And, and you know, Brooklyn is offensively one of the best teams in the league when they want to be. Uh, they're still at times trying to figure out when and how to deploy KD, Kyrie, and James Harden together. Uh, they're one of the teams that I really enjoy watching on League Pass. Anytime one of their games is on, I'm tuning in and watching. And one of the things I've noticed is they don't play a lot of defense, and they're going against a Suns team that has been doing a really good job this year in play defense. Obviously, they only gave up 90 points tonight. Uh, we currently give up uh, 107.9 points per game, which is fourth best in the league right now. So it'll be interesting to see if it's going to be one of those nights where Brooklyn comes out and and has the ability to score at will or if the Suns can shut them down a little bit. You know, this is a team that will take threes on you. Uh, the Suns are one of the better three-point perimeter teams, although based off of what I've seen this year, it's not necessarily skill. It's more of luck. Uh, and I think that's just kind of league-wide. Whenever somebody's like, they're great at perimeter yeah. defense, it's like, some teams are like the Warriors a couple years ago. They were really good at perimeter defense. I feel like the Suns just aren't necessarily elite, although I, I feel like they've been lucky a little bit, right? Yeah, no, you're totally right. And what we can get from this game is hopefully it'd be like the first Harden and Kyrie Irving, like kind of battle with each other on on and off the court to where there's a little bit. I know they've had a little bit of that earlier with DeAndre Jordan and uh, Harden at times, but I want to see them two go at it, you know, kind of start things between those two to get them yelling at each other and then take themselves out of the game and just make this an easy seven win in a row, you know? Yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, one, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, yeah. I know that the last game that they played, Kyrie Irving had James Harden come up to him before the game just says, uh, you're going to be the, the shooting guard. I'm going to be the point guard. And then like, that's how they played the game. And uh, it, it worked out very well for them. You know, they're, they're a team that's 16 and two their last game. They got how many points did they scores like 140 something. Uh, they put, yeah, they played the warriors 134 to 117. That was a game that came on. Uh, and it was just, it was one of those mesmerizing games where you're just like, geez, like these guys can score at will. But again, you know, mm -hmm. not necessarily a great defensive team. Uh, who do you think is going to have more field goal attempts, oh. Booker or Harden? Harden, for sure. Yeah, you think he's, you know, oh, with, yeah, with KD out, for sure. Yes, I wrote these questions, then KD is out, of course. Um, yeah, I think I agree. And, you know, the difference between Harden and Booker is Booker is an efficient scorer, and Harden's not. He's a volume scorer, and he's somebody who forces the issue. You know, get ready for a lot of those head bobs uh, on on glancing plays you know Harden ball is part of the nets now they do move the ball a lot better uh but i do think that uh, fat harden is what gw2 said in the <laughs> said in there um jay pizzle says harden's gonna score 47 and they'll lose you know what i'm okay with that That's fine with I, me I, I i'm okay with that as well uh who all right how about this over under booker plus cp3 45 and a half total points now up to this point in the season the uh the cp3 backcourt with booker averages 41 and a half points per game so obviously going against the uh the duo of Kyrie irving and james harden it's gonna be obviously a little bit tough on them defensively do you think that they can get over 40 45 and a half points as a combo you know i think they can in this game i think they will for sure i think this is one of those where maybe the point guards go head to head i mean i know booker can't really guard anybody if he's going to be guarding uh kyrie irving so i think on the offensive end i think he can put up some big stats i don't think he'll have over 25 shot attempts even though we just bet on that one i just think that um this is one of those games where chris paul and booker will go back and forth in isolation plays just to like kind of nail down the game 
Um, I think also Joe Harris got to watch out for that dude too as well. Yes. He might have more points and more shot attempts than all these guys <laughs> now that KD is out too as well. So I mean, just because KD is out doesn't mean it's going to make it any easier. It might even make it even worse because of the game plan situation. Even though you had a big chunk of the games with KD out already, to where you mm-hmm. can kind of see how this team plays. But I mean, it's just who's hot? If Harden comes out hot. It might be over that quick if Kyrie comes out and is just making ridiculous threes or you know dribbling behind his back, falling on the ground, picking it up and shooting the fadeaway or something stupid like that. It might be over. That's just the way these two guys are. They're superstars. They're two of the best point guards in the league. So it's going to be very difficult either way. So I don't even. I'm not. I didn't answer who's going to win or not. So sorry. Go ahead. Well, we haven't gotten there yet, but <laughs> <Not> uh, yet. <laughs> but but the over. You know, the Jamsters are saying over 40 half, 45 and a half points, and yeah. I think you make a valid point. The end of this game, especially if it's close, it will be Booker and CP3 trying to take advantage of whatever Brooklyn's defense is or lack thereof, and yeah. trying to to throw those daggers at him. And we've seen that happen against the the Bucks. We've seen it happen in, in games during this win streak where we have two closers. Just like they have two closers, we have two closers. And both of our guys are a little bit more clutch. So if it is one of those close games, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that is uh, approached and attacked. You know, the one disadvantage for the Nets is with KD in the lineup, their their end of the game lineup had him at the five. And it'll be interesting to see how they attack at the end of the game defensively without KD. Uh, it could be something where Aiton comes in real big at the end of this game because he's going to have an opportunity. You know, there there is there there is no Jared Allen on this team anymore. They traded him. You know, DeAndre Jordan's in there. Uh, and, but if he is your crunch time five, that's something you can take advantage of, especially if you have da roaming the perimeter and and cutting and doing different things that da can do he's a lot more athletic than deandre jordan so uh really excited for this game really uh this is this is when they released the schedule we did that podcast you know so many months ago this is probably the number one i uh game that i circled looking forward to 8 p.m tnt game uh gonna be a blast obviously jamsters join us right after the game to hear about what we have to say and to talk to each other about it. Uh, here, here comes the big question, everybody. Who wins, Suns or Nets? I was waiting for everybody else. Suns. I'm going <laughs> to say Suns finish, Suns finish off this road stand with a win. I think it's going to be a win. I think it's going to be... Home, home stand, of, by the way, not a road stand. I know. I keep saying that because they're playing all East Coast teams and stuff, so I get, I get it all mixed up. I don't even know. But uh, we get everything wrong. Actually, I think I get 80% of the stuff I say on here is wrong. And then in the comments, they correct me. So I like that. Um, <laughs> the Nets, I can see them towards the end of the game, just kind of just chucking stuff up there when the Suns have a lead. I think DeAndre will have a big game too in this one, but I'm going to pick the Suns. If KD was playing, I probably would have picked the Nets, in all honesty. I just think that their offensive firepower is, is tough to, to match. I think the Suns have the capability. We've shown that. As of late, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we shot 60% against the the 76ers. We played the the Milwaukee Bucks really well from an offensive standpoint. Uh, but with him out, I'm really going to say, you know, let, let's uh, and, and, you know, the Jamsters are they're they're torn too. you know, this is this is a tough one to call. But I'm with you. I'll say that we finished this homestand seven and zero, and go on a seven and a win streak and we beat the Nets. Uh, but it's going to be it's going to be crunch time late and it's going to come down to i'm gonna say da is going to have a big rebound off a booker miss i can totally see that happen so for the win is that for the winning play i don't know if that's the winning play but but it'll be the dagger that that puts them away i think da is going to break the rim this game okay okay i I don't see that at all uh he's he's kind of a layup guy um last thing i want to talk about real quick before we get out of here you know it it is valentine's day And every podcast, I would be remiss if we didn't do a, a typical trope. And that is just talk about what we love about the Suns right now, Matthew. Everything. You know, this, the, the team's playing great. Uh, we obviously are huge fans of this team. We have a podcast and we talk about them after every game with the Jamster Faithful. Uh, so let, let, let's talk about some of the things that we love. And I wish I had some nice, you know, kind of uh, Kenny G saxophone music to play in the background. There you go. But it's copyrighted, so I can't do it. So well, all of this is copyrighted. <laughs> let's uh, let, let's do let's do three things that we love about the Suns right now. Give me your first oh, thing you love. Oh, first thing I love is the bars at the new uh, arena. I think they look fantastic. Oh, sorry, oh, I'm playing Kenny G in the background. Your lip. <laughs> 
No, I love the bars of the new arena. I keep seeing them on everyone's Instagram posts or Twitter posts, whatever. And I just want to see it. I want to see if it's too big in the entryway. Is it going to cause a mess? But I love it. I love the way it looks in all the bars. I can't wait to have a drink from each one, tell you what's my favorite beer, and then drive home. Yeah, I'm with beer. you. <laughs> <Someone brought laughs> we haven't been there, we haven't been there yet. We haven't John been Collins. there yet. Oh, we'll get to John Collins here in a minute. That's the last thing okay. we're going to talk about. Uh, we're talking about what we love about the Suns. Okay, we'll we'll get right. there. And the first okay. thing I love is the depth of this team. Okay, depth of this team. Uh, it's absolutely the deepest team I remember. Uh, going back to like the 92-93 Suns, that was probably the deepest team the Suns have ever had. And I like this team better. I mean, I think that from one to twelve, they are just a team that has so many different types of. Uh, uh, ways that they can beat you and we're really seeing that all kind of come together over this win streak so that's the first thing i love about the suns matthew give me a couple more things you love about the suns all right i'll give you my number two number three number okay. two is deandre Ayton's just listening capability <laughs> deandre Ayton just being there and just taking all the sheesh this year and still putting up decent numbers we have the eight and watch i i look at the body language don't like it a lot of the times but it doesn't matter because he's continuing to listen continue to learn he can be a douche about it but he's not being that guy i am thankful or oh, are we doing thankful or what i love i love deandre's love i love his <laughs> i love him just listening to the older wise men on this team dude to James Wiseman. I love it. And shout out I to Infinite it. Tranquility <laughs> in the chat. What a beautiful poem he just posted. Roses are red, violets are blue. It's Valentine's Day. Sun's Jam Session podcast. I appreciate you. We Aww. appreciate you. Uh, so you love, De- you love DeAndre Ayton's uh, ears, I guess. Mm-hmm. The fact that he can listen. Uh, I'm going to take my <laughs> last two and kind of put them together. I love the Sun's shoe game right now. Tonight was a great example of that. Booker had those has those faded Nikes that are like, orange to purple that go perfectly with the valley jerseys you have crowder had the orange shoes bridges has those sick yellow shoes uh cp3 even had the red shoes on tonight and then the valley uniforms i i really love the valley uniforms this year you know it was one of those things where i think we all were very welcoming of them to start the season but what's been really fun to do is to see how they're received uh, by other fan bases and sb nation which is the site that bright side of the sun is on uh, obviously has uh, a site for every team. And if you're bored, you can go onto their sites and you look at kind of the game threads that they have when they're, when opposing teams are playing the suns and whenever they have the Valley jerseys on, you go in there and, and everyone's like, damn, I love these jerseys. Like, you know, yeah. the, the, the opposing fans love the Valley jerseys. And I'm just, I'm very proud to rep that and to have that as a part of the Valley. So I love that. Oh, dude, how cute. This is the cutest segment. I don't think I put my number three out there, did I? You didn't. You didn't. Okay, so my third one goes to Tom Chambers. We love it that he... I don't know if he's drinking or what, but I love him on the post game and pregame show because he's just—is he crazier than usual? I think it's that big bar that's right there. I that think I also the love. fact that they they opened everything up and the fans are back and their their station is right next to the bar. Like TC can grab a couple old yeah. fashions in between takes and he's having a good time. Yeah, he reminds me of like my dad or my uncle Joe used to come over every Thanksgiving. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, shout out to some of the jamsters who are who are you know telling us what they love uh, as well. Uh, Chris J loves Matthew's mustache. It's all gone, um, dude. Br- Br- Brennan King back, lo- loves us and the podcast. We truly appreciate that. Um, did you guys? Oh, look at this, Regan Graves. Did you hear the Dave King shout out during the game, Matthew? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually texted John right away because I thought Kevin Ray was actually going to shout out John. Yeah, because they, that it was a stat and it was from Brightside, but I thought I swear he was gonna say John Voidith. Yeah, no, it was really cool when he made the shout out to Dave King and Brightside. The statistics that he was mentioning was in my F and B connection article yeah. that I wrote last week. So that was really cool to see. So uh last thing obviously I want to talk about is John Collins. Okay, so he is somebody whose name has been uh come up as of recent. The Atlanta Hawks made it known that they are shopping him. Uh, obviously, plenty of Suns are uh, fans are interested in adding his services to the team. What are your thoughts on trading for him? What are your thoughts on any potential packages? Do you think that he's something that the Suns need? I mean, let's have that John Collins conversation that everybody's having. Yeah, my question though, really, to question your question is like, why do they want to trade him? And like, am I? I'm not even like 
that interested in a guy that's already thrown out there as a trade bait really by their team, especially a young team. He's a young player. Of course they have Deandre Hunter that is actually doing really, really great too as well. But I mean, why do they want to trade him? I don't know if I even want any part of that. And right now I feel like the Suns have a lot of fours on the floor and a lot of minutes that, you know, I don't think they can break up unless they traded some of those guys, but with the chemistry right now, I don't want to mess anything up. I don't think we have the picks to do it anyways, but I mean, what do you think though? I mean, he's a good player, but why, why do the Hawks want to give him up? Well, I think this is the primary reason is he's somebody who is going to get paid when he becomes uh, a, a free agent. You know, currently this season, he is uh, making $4 million a year. Next season, the qualifying offer for him as a restricted free agent is $5.8 million a year. And the following year, he's a restricted free agent again. So he's somebody who's affordable. And I think that they've, I, I think the emergence of Clint Capella on that team has really kind of, you know, made them go, okay. We don't necessarily need him. We got Danilo Gallinari. We got hit. We got Clint Capella. John Collins isn't somebody we necessarily need, although he is scoring 18.1 points a game right now. Uh, he's somebody who they probably want to cash in on on his uh, his value right now. You know, they're 11-15. They're ninth in the, in the Eastern Conference. They're not necessarily a strong team. So there's somebody who they think they can probably – trade and get some assets back that's going to help this team in the future that will you know because eventually when that time comes like they're gonna have to pay him and they're gonna have to pay trey young and it's like it's it's gonna be a very expensive offseason for him when that time comes so i think that his name's kind of been thrown out in that capacity you know here here's my thoughts on john collins i like the guy a lot i really do i think that he is uh somebody who playing with cp3 would probably uh, be a lot more fluid on offense than some of our fours are right now. Frank Kaminsky is not going to make highlight dunks and things of that nature. But you know, when I, when I think with, when, when I think of John Collins, I do think of that. He's the flashy guy. That's that, that's why we know him, right? Because of his dunks, because of the highlights on sports center, because sports center loves Trey young. So they're going to show him throwing up alley-oops and John Collins is typically on the, on the other side of that. You know, here's my counter argument to that. You know, this is, we're not a team that's kind of stuck in the middle looking for that last piece. We again don't necessarily think that the grass is always greener on the other side. Frank Kaminsky, not sexy, but he's getting the job done and, and he's fallen into the confines of a role. John Collins, if we do trade him, and granted, I've seen some interesting trade uh, propositions. You know, Jalen St- uh, Jalen Smith, Abdel Nader in a second. I think that's the one that I saw on Twitter today. Um, I don't think we have the ability to trade our first because I think there's some rights that are involved uh, with the Oklahoma City Thunder as it pertains to a pick swap. So we can't trade a first round pick next season. Uh, but I think that, you know, the the thing that makes this team really fun to watch right now is everybody enjoys playing with each other. They know their role. They have accepted their roles and they're going to play within that role. If you have John Collins come to this team, a guy who's making $4 million a year, so it easily makes sense for him to join this team financially. But he's a guy who wants to get paid here in a couple years, so he's going to be a he's going to be a guy who wants the ball. He wants to score. He wants to be the second or third scorer on this team, and it could disrupt that chemistry. And what is so valuable is chemistry in the NBA. It is a game of rhythm. It is a game of chemistry. And I don't want to mess with. I mean, we won seven in a row. Like, why do we need John Collins? He's, are we going to get like an extra win by having him here? I don't know. Yeah, it's tough, but the only guy the Suns can go after really if they do trade. And I mean, if they're going to trade, it has to be an all-star. It has to be the guy to put us over the top. And John Collins isn't that guy. I feel like just to mess up the chemistry for a guy like him, I don't think it'll work. It would have to be a guy that's an all-star, someone that's going to come in and absolutely will be the best in the West. If AD's out for the Lakers, we'll be better than the Clippers it would have to just be that guy to put us over the top. I don't want to mess with the chemistry. So I don't know who the all-star is, who we would trade just to get the championship this year, but there might be a name that floats around. So it was saving for that. Not John Collins though. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, again, don't mess with the call. You know, what you want to do is you want to fortify. I, I don't think we need to fortify this, the starters right now. You could fortify the bench. I don't think we need to fortify the bench right now. I mean, I'm happy with this team where they <laughs> are. Too. You know, it's, it, like I said, you know, the things I love about the Suns. On, on this beautiful Valentine's Day is, is their depth. And I don't want to trade off a couple of pieces. I don't want to be known as a team too in a front office that's that that does that. It's like, hey, these times these guys are playing really good. They love being here. And we're like, yeah, but this guy, he he puts up 18 points a game and has a defensive rating of 112. You know, I I just he's not necessarily a great defender. Uh this mm-hmm. team is a defensive team. I just I like the idea of him. And and don't get me wrong, if you talked about this in the offseason, 
This is somebody I would have, and we've talked about it before. This is a guy that we would have loved to go after when we're talking about potential free agents or or trades that need to be made for the made for this team. This is a guy whose name came up multiple times. His contract made sense. Uh, his offensive ability made sense. But now that we've progressed through this season, we're rapidly approaching forty percent of the way through this season. You know, I uh, who just said infinite tranquility said it in the chat. Don't rock the boat, baby. No, no need, in my opinion, in my humblest of opinion. Yeah, but if you want to take it to the next level, you might have to do that. I know this team has great chemistry. It's a great win. But if you want to be the best in the league, which we have a chance to be that team, the best team in the league, you still need an addition of another all-star. Unless DA just comes through, which is not going to happen this year. He's not going to be that guy yet. He's just not going to be that guy. But prove me wrong, DA. If he's the missing piece, DA, he's a missing piece, the, the beast in the paint is he's the guy that we need to get over the hump, but we need, we we might need to trade for that all-star. Instead. But again, th- this could be one of those things where at the end of this season, the Suns go to the playoffs. We get, you know, we, we win two playoff series. We end up in the Western conference finals and we don't win. And the reason becomes, okay, we didn't have enough interior offense. Then you make that, that decision at yeah. that point. Cause he's still, right. he, you know, he's somebody who next year has a qualifying offer of 5.8 million. Atlanta could do a sign and trade with him. And, you know, there's a lot of options there. So I want to see what this team's potential is. And then you make that decision. You're, you, you've, you've pulled all the right levers so far, James Jones. Don't pull the lever of bringing John Collins to this team, giving up a Dario Sart. Well, you probably want it because the contracts wouldn't make sense. You could pay, you could give up sticks. I mean, from a financial standpoint, realistically, you could trade Jalen Smith for John Collins right now. They both make like $5 million yeah. a year, $40 million a year. I mean, financially, that makes sense. But from a chemistry standpoint, I don't think we disrupt we we like like the Jansters are saying, man, don't don't rock the boat right now. I think we're good. I think we're good. Yeah, yeah but the only thing is too, you don't really want to for me, I don't want to look too much into next season and just worry about cast space, all that. Then we could trade for the guy if we don't win the championship. Honestly, the way this team's playing and stuff, the next goal really is to get to that tier to be a championship contender. So whatever they have to do this season, even if it messes up the offseason, messes, messes up the so-called flow and stuff, it may need to be done because you look at teams like even like the Boston Celtics, where they had such a great young team going against the Cavaliers and stuff in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, oh, yeah. just wait till next year, wait till the next year, wait till the next year. This young's this team's young, good chemistry, all of that. But it doesn't happen that way. You gotta if you have a chance, you gotta take it. I feel like if you're the Suns. No, I, I definitely hear you. And, you know, as, as Capo status says in the chat, can't trust Damon Jones. If DA gets in foul trouble, uh, Collins could help there. You know, yes, but Collins also is, would be have the expectation of being a starter because he wants to put up he those metrics and those numbers yeah. because he wants to get paid when his opportunity comes. And, and I get what you're saying. If you have an opportunity to go and get somebody who you feel is going to help you win, then do it. But we're winning. Like, we're, we're a solid team who has, <laughs> I know, ha, ha, I know. you know, it's like, if we want to be one of the best teams in the NBA, like we are the best team in the NBA over the last 10 games, we're nine and 10. I think, I think, uh, or, nine uh, and one. The, or I'm, I'm sorry, nine and one. Yeah. I think the Utah Jazz are also yeah. nine and one, you know, but it's just like, what, what else can we ask for at this point? I mean, we're, we're playing well. If injuries happen, uh, which they have, we've shown that we can maintain the depth. So, I mean, I don't know what the answer is. I just think, you know, from my personal perspective, John Collins, as sexy as that is of a name to try to bring into this city and onto this team, I say stick with what you got. Uh, ride the chemistry that this team's developing. Don't betray any of these guys. You know, you have Frank Kaminsky and Mikhail Bridges, who are who are the F and B con- connection is developing, and then you know potentially you could trade Frank to get as a part of a package to bring in John Collins and then Mikhail Bridges is like, well, there goes my buddy. I mean, I just think that there's so many off the court type of things that doing this transaction uh, would affect that. It's just, I'm not, it's, it's funny. Cause if you'd asked me at the beginning of the year, it's like, listen, we could trade for John Collins. I'd be like, hell yeah, dude. But yeah. I just love this team so much right now. And you know, obviously that's recency biased. And if the Suns beat the lose to the nets, I'll be like, ah, we needed John Collins, you know? So who knows? Yeah, but then also, too, Chris Ball knows what it takes to win in the playoffs. You know, I mean, he's never won a championship, but he will know if James Jones comes to him or comes to Booker and be like, hey, we might have an offer that we can afford to get this guy right now who might help us win a championship, but we have to give up these guys. I feel like he would go to those guys first to ask them, you know, is this going to put us another time or not? So that conversation is probably going to happen this year, but it just depends who that guy is that we get. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Suns navigate uh, the trade deadline, which I believe is March 25th. So we're just we're about a month and nine days 
away from that uh, trade di- deadline coming. And between now and then, a lot of different things could happen, and there could be an injury, and there could be there could be you know a winning streak or a losing streak by a team above or below us that's going to force our hand. So we really don't know, but it is definitely a name that we will continue on Suns Twitter and among Suns circles to talk about because it is an intriguing name and. Again, the fact that you have Chris Paul here and Jay Crowder and, and Etwan Moore and Langston Gallant and all these guys who chose to come here, uh, know that if you, you sign the likes of a John Collins, the other side is if he likes it here, he could extend and, and decide to want to stay here. I mean, there, that, that possibility exists. I mean, the culture is changing in the Valley of the Sun, and you see that every night. Again, you know, when you play the Orlando Magic and you beat them like 19, by 19 like you should, those are the kind of things other players are looking at, and they're like, damn, man, like I want to go play for that squad. So if you bring a John Collins here, th- that could be another byproduct of somebody else coming. So, I mean, a, a lot of different things to contemplate as we talk about that name. Yep. Oh, yep. That's great. Excuse me. Well, I guess that that means it's time to wrap up the show. So again, to the Jamsters faithful, thank you for joining us. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button. Make sure you uh, you subscribe. You know, we're fast approaching a thousand subscribers on YouTube, which is exciting for us. Let your friends know. Have them subscribe. Have them come on over. We really appreciate it. If you're listening on the Bright Side Podcast Network, where you can get not only the Suns Jam Session, but also Fan in the Flames, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review as well. You can follow the show at Suns Jam on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. Let's see. That's right. Suns win, baby. Uh, we'll be back again. It'll be a late night after the Nets game. We'll be back, you know, Arizona time about 1020 whenever that game ends. Until that time, happy Valentine's Day. Love you all. Really appreciate it. Have a great evening. Everyone go home and love your family. Take care, everybody.